Welcome to Eurocron, a podcast about people whose names you may not be familiar with now, but you will remember their stories. Hi, I'm Scott Pitney, the host for Eurocron. So, without further ado, let's jump right into our next extraordinary story. I welcome a very special guest to Eurocron, a man who designed Chaeyeonru martial arts. Grandmaster Kim Soo began his martial arts training as a child in Korea. He was promoted to first degree black belt when he was just 13 years old. During high school, he began teaching and dedicated his life to spreading martial arts throughout the world. While in college, earning his BA in Russian languages and literature, he founded Kwambop Martial Arts Club at Hankook University of Foreign Studies. He went on and founded the Karate Club at Kankuk University in the Korean Taekwon Karate Academy in Seoul, Korea. Taught the bodyguards of former Republic of Korea President Songman Ri, members of the Korean Military Intelligence Agency, or the MIG, and personnel of the U.S. Armed Forces. With $100 in his pocket, Grandmaster Kim Soo came to the United States in 1968 and established, established his first dojon in the U.S. in Houston, Texas, downtown at the corner of Jackson and Clay Street. Since then, he has taught and inspired thousands of students and continues to instill the teachings of his masters and principles of Chayan Ru. It is a personal honor to say that Grandmaster Kim Soo has also been my teacher mentor and friend since 1976. Grandmaster Kim, welcome to your cron. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How are you, sir? Pretty good. Good. Pretty good. Sounding good. You're sounding good. So where is a good place to begin your extraordinary story? Well, I like to talk about uh, my, uh, actually, during the Korean War time, all the families scattered. The Korean War occurred in 1950, June, and, and all the families scattered. So we couldn't find where's my father, where's my mother, and all the families scattered. So I escaped, like, uh, with a parent, my mother and my two sisters went to the way south part of the South Korea, in the Masan area. But uh, we don't have any money, so we, I have to work, I have to sell the newspaper, <laughs> but I never did that kind of a job, so I run around, but I couldn't sell anything. It's winter time, so I, I was really disappointed. Then I don't know what to do on my way back to home, and I, I met the young man, it was... Uh, in the backyard, he was a punching, maki water punching pole. I didn't know what it was, he just punching with a, kind of a martial art training at the time. So I sat down and been watching him. Then he, in his break time, he asked me, you wanna learn something? So, yes, I said, <laughs> I shake my head. So they please teach me some how to do it. Then he showed me how to clench fist just how to clench fist a little punch. And since that, uh, you know, I skipped grade 
I was a junior and at the time is the fifth grade, but when I come back to Seoul from the Pusan area, Masan area, then I was attending fifth grade again, and uh, my school teacher said, were you smart enough, though? why don't you skip the grade? And they put me in the seventh. We have to take a test to go up to the middle school. So I skipped the grade during the Korean War time. So I walk into the uh, like a school class. Everybody say hello and everybody friendly beginning, but sooner or later everybody uh, tried to jump on me, you know, because I was uh, I skipped the grade. All my friends they didn't go to school. Two three years they stayed the same grade. Everybody's older than me. So at the beginning. I, I had to fight, but a little later, I was, most of the time, I got beat up. The finally, I got lost my confidence, even though I don't know how to, you know, speak in front of the people. I was murmuring, and I just got real, turned out a real shy boy. So that's the main reason I want to learn how to uh, be confident. I want to learn how to defend myself. But I went to the school, not at the school actually, I hear the, uh, some burned down the building. It still was the Korean War was going on 1953. So I, some people were walking out at making noise at the uh, burned down building, closed my house. So I've been watching, I was afraid to start it because it looked so difficult. Finally I learned it with a friend. You know, since I, I trained, I really needed to, that's why I trained real hard. I made the black belt, it's around one year, I made the black belt. Then after I got black belt, everybody turned out as a friend. <laughs> Instead of they pick on me, then I become, I had a lot of a friend after that. So you helped me a lot mentally, physically. So I'd like to share uh, my benefit, what I got it from the training with other people. So I decided I like to be someday, I like to help out the people uh, who is uh, shy, uh, who doesn't have any confidence. And almost like I lost confidence real bad. So I like to be instructors. I like to help out the people. So since that, at the senior high school days, I organized the club at the school that I help out my friend and teach them. And college days, I organized the club. I taught wherever I go, I taught the class, the friend. So since I teach the people, I don't have any chance to really uh, prove myself. Everybody respect. I don't have to fight at all. If I don't know any fighting, I have to prove it. I have to fight all the time. Mm. So I went to uh, Korean Army. We have to go to Army. So I went to the Korean Army. I taught also uh, Korean Army. And since then I've been teaching all the time the martial art. I really like it. I like to share this my knowledge with others. That's the main purpose I decided to come to the United States. What is the English meaning of Chai on Rue? 
Chayan Ryu means natural way. A lot of people talk about the martial arts. They describe like a lion, tiger, dragon, cobra, like that. But the, the martial art is a human movement. We cannot even we train hard. We cannot act, you know, act like like a cobra or a monkey. So uh, focus on human natural movement. It's an easy way to learn it. Actually, I learned it very difficult, hard way. Without confidence, I want to learn it, but it looked so difficult. I couldn't do it. So even teachers was really mean <laughs> with a big stick. They're not nice. They're going to whip. So I got nervous, almost to quit. So I don't want to be that kind of instructor, you know. So I like to make it easy way. Human movement. So I, I could teach the people, like 100 people, 200 people, even Korean army. Before the Vietnam War started, I taught the Korean army. There was 500 people I taught in the, in the morning in the, at the big playground, not a playground, it's an army compound, using natural way. Otherwise, without the assistant, how can I handle the 500 soldiers? I always been thinking about how can I approach to the people who really want it. Easy way, easiest way to teach, communicate with the people. So I decided natural way. You know how to walk, you know how to run, well that's the way you can punch. The sense that I've been teaching, well, Junior high school days, uh, so far up to the two days, almost more than, longer than 60 years I've been teaching. That's a long time. That's a long time. This is my mission. That's the reason I came to the United States, too. So you're, you're teaching the Army, 500 people uh, with, with natural body motion. Right. Uh, how how were you able to project? Uh, how could they hear you, or did you just shoot, oh, demonstrate a, motion? That's or? a big question. Yes, sir. The Korean Army they asked me to teaching before they go to the Vietnam War, just to start it, 1960s. Then I got an assignment to teach, but they don't have any microphone system, nothing. So I have to roll the paper. A big newspaper, I have to be yelling like this and real loud, teaching only how to run and how to punch and how to do front kick. One week later, I couldn't talk. The laryngitis, I couldn't talk even. So with the microphone, there's no problem. I could handle it. Just like I've been teaching University of Houston, 150 students at the half Pavilion. With the microphone, without any assistant. I got to always assume I come out of the faculty. So you're in Korea. You could teach martial arts anywhere in the world, but you chose Houston, Texas. Why Houston, Texas? Well, that's the always people ask me why. What made you come to Texas? Well, come to the United States. My mission, I like to help out the people the wisdom and 
knowledge what I got it uh, through martial arts training. But it's very, very difficult to get out from Korea at the time without you know, uh, there is no way to get out from get out from the out in Korea to outside the unit, you know, especially in America. So finally, it it took around five years. I tried teaching to the uh, Korean Army, U.S. Army, then all that. I, I finally I got the uh, traveler's visa like a B2 visa for the uh, business visa then I had the chance to come out but uh, before I come out to United uh, Korea then I checked a couple of places the United States the south part of the United States and nobody in there uh, actually all of that area is unknown it's a rare area people don't want to go there because no family, no relatives, no relationship, no friend. So people go to the, most of the, like the Korean people, Chinese people, Japanese people, they go to the west coast, like California, San Francisco, LA, or east coast, like New York and Washington DC, that area. But I look around that, I don't want to be a, uh, close by somebody else. I don't want to uh, bugging anybody because uh, I come with a high ranking. At the time was 1960s. Or I got the 50 degree black belt. It's one of the highest ranking at my age, you know. So already who had uh, established the school in in the United States, they come early days with a low rank. They actually, I, I'm not really welcome to come to close by them. Mm. Yeah, so I try to avoid it. And I look around and nobody want to go to Texas. Everybody afraid to go to Texas. They've been watching the cowboy movie, everybody shooting gun. And <laughs> <laughs> so they think you know, uh, people are really scared to go to the south part of the United States. That's the main reason I like to go over there. I like to start it from zero. Well, that's why I had a real hard time. That's what I have even early days. No money, no even green card, no work permit. I was homeless, homeless. So I, that's what I got to my hearing aid problem, you know, two hearing aid. Almost now 95% I lost hearing. Because I had a very hard life at the beginning. No family, no money, no green card. Starting from zero, I was homeless. <laughs> you were arrived in the winter time, in nineteen sixty. That was in January. Yes, January sixteen is. Uh... What were those first few moments like when you stepped off the plane onto Texas soil? What were you? Do you when remember I what Korea, you were? Thinking? I had a lot of confidence. You know, it was so only a burning desire and confidence with the one hundred dollars, but. Uh, uh, I stopped by the first uh, January 16. I left Korea. Then I arrived in January 16 in Hawaii and to meet one of my old uh, the GI student, one of uh, U.S. Army and the soldiers, David Akahane. I don't know if you met him or not. 
David Akahane, he, he, he's a Hawaiian guy. Yes, sir. He's training under me at 8th Army in Korea. So he, after the Army, he went back home to Honolulu. So on the way, I stopped by. At the time, there is no direct flight anyway. I have to stop over in <laughs> Hawaii. So I stopped by his place. I stayed over there maybe for a few, few days. Then I come to uh, California, uh, stopped by my friends. Then I came to uh, all the way to Houston. So you, you get off the plane in Houston and this is everybody wondering why do you like to go to Houston, Texas? Anybody waiting for you? <laughs> Actually, nobody wait for me. Then uh, I was uh, in Korea. I was writing for the Black Belt magazine, and I was the first Korean uh, writer uh, at the time. So I check around, and Houston, nobody there. I like to go over there. So I check around a couple of schools. American Judo and Karate School. I was actually a, a vagabond black belt instructor, only just with the uniform. But I have a knowledge, so I can go anywhere, any martial arts school. They want me. They want me teaching over there as a, as a guest instructor. So actually, I. That that's all I had. No money. <laughs> I was there, but. The, the hundred dollars that you mentioned, do you remember what you spent that on your first few days or weeks here? First few days, even I don't know, okay, I went to the, some, I guess it was a, some hamburger, you know, hamburger joint. I went over there to eat, but I don't know how to start it. <laughs> Surprised to see. Anyway, finally I got older, I got a little later, I see everybody that throw the lot of, you know, like a brand new paper and brand new plastic cup, and they throw it away, then trash can, and I just go, wow. Why they throw away all that kind of, uh, you know, like a, a cup and a spoon and a plastic spoon? In Asian country, we clean it up and we save it. <laughs> we use it, but the, they throw away trash cans. Oh, what a wasting. <laughs> That's my first thing I saw that. Yeah. How did you find the building at Clay and Jackson? How, how did that come Clay about? and Jackson, well, first I come to Houston in the Pasadena area. The American Judo and Karate was Sonny Thompson. And he invited stop by his place and also another man from Texas uh, Port Arthur area uh, Grobus Texas uh, Mr. Armentor they invite me to come when I come to Texas uh, they like to have the uh, seminar over there so I stay their house then with them and taught their a couple of classes with them then I come back, I like to, you know, people want me to stay, well, why don't you stay in Beaumont area? And, and after also they arranged me demonstration at the Beaumont television station. Then I was, they want me to stay there, but I like to go to live a bigger city. I don't know why. Big city is always more chance to meet the people. So I decide Houston. 
Then I came to Houston. I had a seminar at the at the West Tama area. The man used to have a school. Is a Richard. Wait a minute. Yeah, Mike Richardson, who training. Uh, he's a black belt. He got it from Okinawa. Then he had a school in the West Tama area, and he invited me to teach. But I teach. At the, the seminar, at all this Houston area, there are a lot of different styles of martial art people. Karate stylists, Okinawan karate, and some Kung Fu stylists. But all, I know them all. Yeah, I know them all. <laughs> so I had the chance to teach a seminar. They really like to, they want me to stay around. But I stayed there, Dojang. But I cannot stay there, Dojang, just forever. So, one of the men who is taking some private lesson, he suggested me. Well, I have some. My brother-in-law have an empty building in downtown area. You can use over there, without any paying any rent. You can stay over there. So that's the Clay and Jackson, 1615 Clay and Jackson. There was old brick building, but. There was a lot of homelessness actually was <laughs> actually staying over there. Mm. Then I didn't know that, but uh, the man said, well, you like to use this place, it's free. Then I was sleeping over there free, you know. Then, then later on, in the, Mr. the owner of the building, Mr. Cokin, said, uh, he'd like to help out. You can stay, you can teach him maybe using private lesson over here. Then I taught them. Then, then while I'm teaching them private lesson, I'm staying living over there without any rent. I've been cutting the grass outside, remodeling a little bit. Then, wow, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, that's, uh, so that was your your first school location that was yours, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then meanwhile, I had uh, you know I was I got really sick because I didn't eat properly. Right. I had the family in Korea. My mother sick. My son and only one and a half, one year old. My wife. And I was by myself. Without the green card, I had a very hard life. So, well, before I, I might. I might die this way, you know? So mm. I decided, well, I should go to the immigration, you know, to apply for the green card. Mm. Then I prepared some paper, what I prepared in Korea when I used to teach in Korean Army, U.S. Army, and that kind of a, that document and articles, what I wrote in a Black Belt magazine with them with together all together and I went to the immigration inspector my mother said you want to catch the, uh, the tiger you have to go to the cave otherwise you never seen the tiger so well I I got sick I don't have any money I don't know probably in that situation I might die then also I got you know I decided to walk into immigration. So uh, immigration, I inspector, I told him, 
I'd like to apply the uh, green card. <laughs> then he think it. He looking at me. I, why do you like to stay in America? I think he expecting me. Most people say America for the better life, uh, beautiful country, uh, freedom. Probably he expecting me saying that. But the, my real intention is uh, come to United States. That's not my reason. I come here United States to share my knowledge. I prepared a lot of things what to say, but uh, he's he was a real mean face and just you know, men sit down and they're looking at me. Why do you like to live in America? <laughs> I forgot everything. Then I just look at him, I forgot everything. I just all my heavy intention is America needs me, sir. <laughs> he got shocked. He looking at me. He think is I'm crazy or maybe some you know mad guy. <laughs> he couldn't say anything. He just keep looking at me. Say, uh. what did you say? <laughs> I said America need me. Then he give me the white paper. Why don't you write your petition? Look like you were very nervous. Now you gotta write petition. Come back one week later. The one week later, well, I still have the petition with me. Yeah. Then I wrote it down, and one week later, I went over there with him to meet him. Then he was reading. He was reading, reading. He looking at me, and finally, he hit the table like that. <laughs> so I got, wow. It's a final notice now. He's going to kick me out. <laughs> he's, a, he's in charge for deportation. His name is Al Honor. Yeah. He's deportation inspector. That's why he's so mean. You know, he just uh, have an interview with a college student who doesn't study here and who is uh, making fool around. He kick him out all the time. Mm. So... Couple of U of H students, uh, Korean students, said, now you're in trouble. He's the one in charge, uh, deportation. Well, he's the one interviewed, and he told me, he stand up. He stood up, he shake hand. He hits my hand and said, we need a man like you for America. Wow, were you surprised? I cried over there. <laughs> yeah, he sit down okay. and you stand up and like that. We need a man like you for America. Then after that, he's very nice. Wow. How to apply. Oh, where is your family? He thinks it's so nice. Yeah. Right. He's so nice to me. So he told me also, just for in case some American uh, instructors who've been taking lessons from me, a seminar, they'd like to be a sponsor. You know, if if I have a problem, they're waiting outside. Wow. But the inspector say, well, you don't need their help. I look at your qualification. You are qualified teacher for American teachers. So I don't have any sponsorship. I don't owe anybody. Nobody helped me. I walked immigration without any money, without any lawyer's help. I grabbed my green card. Incredible. Yeah, this is incredible. People think it, later on, people heard about that 
It's very strange. How did you get it without any money, without lawyers' help? And you got the green card. And one couple of years later, I went out Korea. Then I, they, people think it. I got the rumor. I was supported by Korean CIA. And I was supported by American mafia. <laughs> oh gosh! And I got the rumor. All days I got a lot of rumor because. Uh, I left Korea with $100 in my pocket. No green card. No green card. Mm. It's also a known area. No friend. That's what I had my uh, rumor for a while. That's incredible. Chayun Ru, what are the major differences between you studying under all of the martial arts? So how would you how would you describe uh, the major differences between Chayun Ru? and other martial arts? At most martial arts in Korea, people uh, nowadays is uh, as a sport, as a sports game. Then all days I study the martial arts, not as a game, as art, as uh, martial art is art and science. And I like to keep, it's a legacy what I studied. That all martial art principle is Exactly, I've been doing a long time, studied the, uh, all martial arts has the same principle. And I like to keep it traditional way, ethical way, as a science and education, not as only a sports and sports game. Sports game, there is a, it's limited. You cannot sports game, competition, and not all the time. And when the prime time, you're past the prime time, you cannot continue. When you study as education, as art, as a science, there is no end, no limit. I like to teach my students. I want them to apply what they learn from martial art, like in their field. I don't want to make my students only for the tournament champion, first place, second place. Just like you were a businessman, successful businessman, I like to make all my students in the successful in their life. That's the way the martial art is for. It's not just to become a only fighter or to uh, go to the Olympic game. It's not like that. If you like to be Olympian, well, that's good. You do. You focus your energy for that. Otherwise, you gotta. Everybody have a different way of life. You gotta go apply your martial art energy and knowledge in your field. People always ask. They ask me, and I'm sure they ask you many times too. That have you ever had to use your martial arts skills? Of course, they're normally referring to in a self-defense capacity. So well, how do you I respond had a to that question? Only few times. Mm. Only a few times. Before I learned martial art, I got you know, so many bullies that jump on me and I had to fight. But the, since I studied martial art, I never had the chance to fight. Mm. So I, I like to study martial art staying in order to stay in peace. Yeah. I don't want to use my really beat up somebody, you know, like really got hurt somebody. Yeah. Study martial art not to be a fighter, yeah. to stay in peace. What are some of the 
biggest misperceptions people have about martial arts in general? I'm sorry again? What are some of the biggest misperceptions people don't understand martial arts? What are, what are some of the biggest misperceptions people have well, about martial most, arts? Most of the people uh, think martial arts is only just a fighting purpose. So all this is martial arts designed for the warfare purpose. Like a emperor and dictator, they're using like a lot of lot of mean people, fighters, they bring them, train them how to defend them, their country or their, for them. Philosophy has been changed. Martial art nowadays is not for, you not learning martial art to protect me or to protect the, to fight somebody for your life, to stay in peace, to be healthier, and to apply your martial art, your mental, physical, you know, balance the power to apply in your job. If someone wants to start training in martial arts and they don't live in Houston, in the Houston area, what advice do you have for them in terms of finding a good school? How does someone go about finding a good martial arts school? Well, that's a very, very difficult question really to answer. Is I don't see really easily to find the good teachers. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of schools, a lot of teachers everywhere, but it's very difficult to find it. Mm. Yeah. Then, before you just, most people choose because, oh, that school is close to me. That school is, uh, well, he doesn't charge anything. Maybe he just uh, uh, so convenient to, for, you know, location. But that's the way they go, but that's the way they're making mistake. They got to choose. The, they got to choose. You got to go and watch them how they teach. Since you don't know any martial art principles, so you can tell which one is really, who is a really good teacher, who is not good teacher. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to choose the school and instructors. Yeah. Is it possible to train Chayan Ru remotely? Some sincere instructors, some, a lot of people wants to do it, but they are, they are far away. But now I have a few high-ranking black belt. They're taking, uh, like a remotely, like a taking lesson. Mm. I send them clip. Nowadays, very convenient to taking, even you can taking, uh, like iPhone, and they're taking clip, taking a video and sending to them. And also, they come maybe once a year, they visit me. Then also, sometimes they visit, they invite me to their places. So not too long, a couple of months ago, I went to uh, Muskegon in Michigan. I went over there. I told that he's a sixth-degree high-ranking black belt, but he really hungry for real knowledge. Mm -hmm. Then I went over there. I taught them. Then also frequently he sent me news clip, uh, like a clip, a video clip, that I corrected. Then also one man is also a young man. He's a very smart young man in uh, Pennsylvania. He came by not too long ago here too. Mm -hmm. He came by taking lesson. Then also when I was in that area, I teach them. They are frequently uh, using uh, what I taught. He's sending like a video clip. 
Yeah, the one man you also had from Norway, he came by too, not too long ago. Well, maybe a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you met him or not. There was a gentleman uh, that came by from from Europe. Uh, he was a sixth don, and he did uh, he performed choreo for the class. Uh, is that the gentleman you're oh, no. referring he, to? He's a different one. He's from oh. Netherlands. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He he knows uh, that he heard about me, my reputation. Mm. So he liked to stop by to say hello, and I check his choreo. For <laughs> right. It was good. Yes, it's good. <laughs> Grandmaster Kim, what what is your your vision for Chayan Ru beyond? My martial art is uh, my. This is my mission in my life. I came to United States, my sole purpose to share my knowledge, or write information to the people. Write information. I mean. Martial artists, people think it's a kick and punching, fighting thing like that, but really good information I like to share with my students. I promote it. This is since my job and sole purpose. Till I die, I'm teaching. Do I any, any other, no other reason. Mm -hmm. My sole purpose of, in my life is this is my mission in my life, teaching. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. How has COVID-19 affected your school? It's a very difficult time. It's, uh, I never had this situation. I've never been in this kind of a situation in my life. I have to meet the people, but I cannot meet anybody. Uh, still, I have a few people come by sometimes as a private lesson thing like that, but uh, it's very difficult, especially to run uh, Dojang. It's a financial part is very difficult. Very difficult. 1968, when I start from zero, I don't have to worry about it because I don't have to pay anything. With just a uniform, I can just go in any school. They, they feed me. Mm. <laughs> but now, I have school. I, you know, I have to pay. You know, all kind of uh, expenses. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. There is some good news though. We're going to be opening the the school up partially uh, soon. I understand. Right. From next week, we're trying to do that, but. Uh, we really got to be careful. Yes, sir. Yeah, we really got to be careful. I hope everything turned out okay. So we um, come to what we call on, on your cron, our legacy question. And that is, if in a hundred years, someone may be listening to this podcast, this recording, what message do you want to leave for them or for the for perhaps the world to remember martial art is education science and philosophy art and philosophy science martial art is not just a kick and punching how to beat up the people uh, fighting or you know become a rough and tough guy use your martial art knowledge apply in your the right to stay in peace. 
Well said, sir. Well, Grandmaster Kim, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking time to come on your cron and, and speak with everyone. Um, as I said in the beginning, I, I've uh, been very fortunate to know you since 1976 when I was just 13 years old. I remember walking into the school and uh, I, sh I share some of your feelings. I was very nervous, but I remember <laughs> uh, you made me feel uh, very calm and safe. And uh, and here I am uh, still training. And and uh, I know I don't come as often as you'd like me to, <laughs> but I rest assured I train I train uh, when I'm not here. And so uh, I know I need to be ready when I come to class. And uh, uh, for me and I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of other students. Thank you for for taking that very brave step to come to Houston, Texas in 1968, sir. I'm glad you still stick with me. <laughs> I'm, gl I'm glad to see that. Most of the people just to start and dropping out and like maybe a one month, two months like that. But uh, fortunately, still I have a student been with me 40, 50 years. So a lot of people surprised. All other, uh, my Korean friends and other masters how come they stayed that long? And uh, what were you still teaching them? <laughs> yeah, there's no limited knowledge. That is correct. Learn something every class. Well, thank you again, sir. This has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I was a little bit nervous, so I don't know. I never had the chance to have an interview like this, so I don't know. I wasn't really prepared, so. You did great. Well, good. I hope I hope you understand me. I understand you just fine. It, it, it was great. Thank you again. Thank you. <laughs>